Hey guys, and welcome to Money Talks News, the podcast. You know, the Federal Reserve has been raising rates all year, and they've signaled they're not done yet. Rising rates act as a break on the economy, slowing it down in order to tame rising prices, otherwise known as inflation. But there's a problem with slowing down the economy. If you slow it down too much, it might just start sliding into reverse. In other words, a recession. Many experts and investors are wondering if a recession is coming soon, as soon as 2023. We're already dealing with rising rates and a roller coaster stock market, but preparing for a potential recession? Whole nother ball game. I'm Stacey Johnson. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hello, Miranda. Hello, Stacy. Let's let's back this truck up, I guess. Yes, I, I'm I'm excited about being in the midst of a recession. Listening <laughs> in and sometimes contributing is our producer and novice investor, Aaron Freeman. Hey Aaron. Hey guys, how you doing today? Good, good, good. This week we've got a really special guest. David Allison, CFP and president of C2P Enterprises. Allegedly the smartest guy in the world. Welcome, David. <laughs> Welcome. I uh, set me up for failure right out of the gate. Thanks for that, Stacey. <laughs> okay, be- before we start, folks, remember this. We don't offer financial advice here, so make sure you do your own research and consult, and consult your own experts before you act on anything that you learn here, okay? Okay, let's dive in. David, the first question I have to ask you, you knew this was coming. Why C2P? What is C2P Enterprises? Why C2P? Well, uh, back in the day, about 15 years ago, my business partner, who's been a retail financial planner, wealth management guy for 20 or so years, he had a financial planning process that was named Clarity to Prosperity, helping clients gain clarity to achieve prosperity. And so uh, we today have a holding company of multiple financial services enterprises or companies, and they all just roll up under C2P. So uh, not uh, R2D2 or anything like that. It's <laughs> That's simply, exactly uh, what clarity I Clarity to prosperity. That is very cool, actually. I, I think I may steal that. Go um, for it. Okay. So now, okay, let's let's start talking about what we're here to talk about today, which is investing uh, or protecting your investments in, in a recession, what we should be doing as we face a recession. So obviously, the first question we need to answer is, what does everyone think? Are we going to see a recession? And if so, when? What, what do you think, David? You're our expert. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a good chance of it. <laughs> I think that if you look at a lot of the data, the amount of money that the that the Federal Reserve has pumped out into the economy, the strength of corporate balance sheets, the strength of consumer balance sheets. Um, you know, we've seen this this massive rate hike without any slowing of it. And uh, I think at, at some point, all signs lead to some sort of economic pullback. You know, it, it, to me, it's not really a matter of if it's going to be a recession, it's when and how bad. And so we're uh, preparing and buckling up for for it to be a choppy year ahead. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, Miranda, what do you, what's your opinion? Uh, ditto. I think <laughs> I, I think it's it's very you know similar. Uh, as we know, the uh, re- the definition for a recession is two consecutive quarters of uh, negative D- GDP growth, and we haven't hit that yet. And we're not in a recession yet, but who knows what twenty twenty three will bring? And as as David point out, uh, we you know we're looking at uh, consumers are dealing with these rising prices and we are going to have to see some economic pullback because consumers do run our economy to a large extent. You know what, when I'm writing about this, what I always say uh, is that I don't, I don't care if there's a recession. It doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter what it's called. The fact is that, uh, that corporate America is slowing down. And, and the fact is that, <clears throat> excuse me, interest rates are behind that. 
the more the Federal Reserve raises rates, the, the more expensive it becomes for corporations, the less profitable they get, uh, the, more, the fewer people buy fewer things, the economy slows down. And that's not good for stocks. I mean, it's just that simple. It doesn't matter whether it's a recession or not. Right, Dave? That's exactly right. So now the, the question is, what are we going to do about it? And, and that's why we have Dave here, because Dave's going to give us some really good advice on exactly what we should do. But, you know, actually, let, let me expand a little bit, though, or let, let Dave expand a little bit. Why is recession so bad on the stock market or the bond market or any kind of market? What, what, is, what does recession do to investors? Yeah, well, I think there's a couple of things and a couple of points, Stacey, to your question there. The first part of it was, why is it so bad for the stock market? And, you know, if we think about the stock market, the stock market is just a giant aggregation of expectations of the future cash flow of companies discounted back to today. And so, you know, when we start hearing about the word recession, uh, in my mind, it just means a massive amount of uncertainty. Companies are having a harder and harder time forecasting what their future earnings are going to be. And so if you bring that back to the stock market and prices today, that uncertainty is being priced in in the form of potentially lower cash flows and lower valuations. And so, um, you know, again, the recession, obviously the big, ugly, nasty part of it is when people start losing jobs. Um, to Miranda's point earlier, we can talk about the two consecutive quarters of GDP, um, but we really haven't experienced that big job loss yet. And um, you know, I think the the big question, you know, the the billion dollar question or trillion dollar question is how hard is the Fed going to continue to push interest rates up with the teeter totter of what does it do to the jobs market? You know, what's what's worse, having to pay five, six, seven, eight percent more for your your goods and services, or not having a job and collecting a paycheck? And so. Um, I think it's all of that future uncertainty. Obviously, a recession is horrible for anyone who loses their job, but the stock market is pricing a lot of that data in today just because of the uncertainty of future expectations of companies and cash flow, to your point earlier. Yeah, and, and I wrote a couple of interesting things. Go ahead, go ahead, so since World War II, the Fed has never achieved a soft landing. And then another thing was uh, if the Fed wants to achieve a, a 2% target for inflation, Five million people will have to lose their jobs. Wow, that's interesting. that's a lot. Yeah. And, well, and I actually think it was really uh, Dave's point was really good when he pointed out that you know the stock market kind of prices this stuff in, right? The stock market isn't really about what's happening; it's what they're trying to forecast. And so it's always interesting to see how that goes. Like today, the stock market is up by a little bit as we're recording this. And uh, it's been down a little bit, but we're still hovering, you know, we're still in the 30,000 range for the Dow. And so, so far, you know, the stock market hasn't really, you know, we have these little days where it's pulled back. We have these days where it seems like it's down, but we really haven't reached the point where the stock market has truly gone as I would call it, like on sale, right? It, it's just, we just haven't seen that yet uh, because to Dave's point, like they're really trying to forecast. They're really pricing a lot of this stuff in. Well, and, and I think that speaks to corporate balance sheets right now. I mean, if you look at most other time periods in history leading into a recession, you saw a lot of strain on corporate balance sheets. And today you see corporate balance sheets stronger than, you know, most other points in history. And a lot of these corporations even refinanced their debt over the last two years. And so they're not in some of the dire positions that we've seen in, in previous economic downturns 
with the exception of, of course, certain sectors and certain industries and some individual companies and stocks. But it's it's a really interesting and different perspective we're seeing right now. Dave, quick question. Do you deal with retail clients? Do you give advice to people? Yep. I oh, do. okay, cool. Awesome. Then, then this is an easy question. What are you telling your clients to do? Yeah. So I think the first thing is with a lot of the clients that we've been working with for a while, um, they've already had a plan in place because these recessions are not a matter of if they happen, they're a matter of when they happen. And, you know, I was talking with a client last night and we were reiterating some of their plan and what we've set up for them and how we kind of time segment their money and invest it for the the purpose, the time horizon, the risk and the volatility characteristics of each of those those time segments. But it's a uh, like if the ship is going under, um, you want to have your life jacket on before it starts getting into the water, before you get into the water, not when, uh, you know, not when you're swimming across the ocean trying to find a life jacket. And so it's it's been a very similar conversation, at least with a lot of our existing clients that, you know, we've had a plan in place to help, you know, project out forwardly how we could mitigate some of these risks, because we all know they happen. The, uh, you know, economy goes in cycles, the market goes in cycles. You know, we have great up years, we have great down years, and typically the ones who don't succeed are the ones who don't have a plan and act irrationally uh, during these down years, because it's hard. I mean, none of us like seeing our account balances go down. Uh, there's there's a behavioral element to that where most people hate to lose more than they like to win. And so these downturns, you know, they, they really stab you in the heart when it happens. Now, now Dave, you just said that you have plans in place to mitigate the risk because times like turbulent times like this come along. Tell me what they are. <laughs> what, yeah. what specifically should we do? Uh, let me, okay, see. One thing I do, because I'm a big investor and have been for many years. I used to also be a financial advisor. Um, what I, cash is king. You know, yeah. don't, don't fight the fed when rates are rising. I, I'm not out of the stock market. I'm never out because I'm going to, because I'll miss the bottom, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoarding cash. I'm not adding to my investing, my investments now. So is that the kind of thing you mean by specific things you do to prepare people? It depends. You know, Stacey, I could counter that with the acronym cash is trash, right? Because so you hear cash is king for some people, you hear cash is trash by other people. And I think it all depends on who you're talking to and what your time horizon is. Uh, you know, yesterday, just alone, I had two very different clients that I met with, one during the day who was a very high income earner that was in their late 30s. I had another client who is already retired in their mid-60s. It's it's a little bit different of a perspective for them. And fundamentally, yeah, the biggest the biggest thing that I kind of start with is, is this framework um, that that we've shared with you guys in kind of what we call the bucket plan. And, and it's almost kind of common sense. Uh, but we think about all of our clients' money into three simple buckets. Your now bucket is your safe and liquid money. That's kind of the cash is king bucket. It's your planned expenses for the next year, your income money, your emergency fund. It's off the table from investing. It's off the table from market risk, but it is facing inflationary risk, right? Because I know my bank is paying me, I think, 0.01% still in interest and inflation is 8 to 9%. So I'm losing purchasing power there. Um, the second bucket, which is the one that I think most people overlook, is what we would call the soon bucket. And this is any money they may need or will need to access sooner rather than later. And because they have a shortened time horizon with this, this bucket of money, we generally recommend it's invested much more conservatively or defensively so that if we do experience this big downturn in the market, 
this bucket of money doesn't or isn't subjected to that big downturn. And it's built to provide reliable income, especially if somebody's in retirement. And then third, you know, but certainly not least is the later bucket. And the later bucket is for long-term growth or legacy planning. It's where we know markets are going to go up and down. We can commit to a longer time horizon, hopefully capitalize on higher expected returns, invest our money in volatile assets without having to worry about the day-to-day, month-to-month or year-to-year volatility in the market. And you know, that example of the client that I was speaking to yesterday in their 40s, they said, hey, Dave, I have a bunch of cash. Is it a good time to invest? And that was the same client who a year ago came to me and said, hey, Dave, I have some extra cash. Is it a good time to invest? And that was when the market's high and now it's low. Well, if you thought last year was a good time to invest, then this year's a really good time to invest because prices are down 20 or 30 percent. And if you have a five, six, seven or 10 plus year time horizon before you need that money, I would be willing to bet the markets are going to be higher five to 10 years from now than they are today. That's just kind of capitalism. These companies are in business to make future earnings. But the contrast to that is my retiree client who I met with last night with their soon bucket. We had 14 years of income set aside in their soon bucket that was not subject to any stock market volatility. So when they were like, hey, Dave, the stock market's down 20 or 30 percent, I was like, yeah, but your soon bucket's not down a penny and that's going to pay you for the next 13 or 14 years. That gives our later bucket over a decade to recover from this downturn or whatever happens into the future. And last year with that particular client, we were a little bit hesitant on where valuations were. And so we decided to take some gains in October out of their later bucket and actually add another 300,000 to their soon bucket. And by doing that, it really gave them an even bigger buffer to whether this, whether it's a year, two years, or three years, four years of whatever economic downturn we face. And so. So, in other words, Dave, cash was king. <laughs> cash was king in a certain way. Cash is king if you have it to be able to invest in the market. Well, I was just right saying, now, you but... took profits and put money in there in the soon bucket, which is cash and cash equivalents, right? No, we don't use cash or cash equivalents in the soon bucket typically. We use those in the now bucket. I mean, the, no, the soon now bucket is going to be invested. Yeah, the now bucket is. The soon bucket is invested for growth to help offset inflation. It's just invested more conservatively. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, we might use high quality, shorter duration fixed income. We might use fixed insurance products, annuities, things like that, that don't subject somebody's retirement balance to some of the, the larger market volatility swings. But it's certainly not sitting in like, you know, NASDAQ index funds or tech stocks or anything like that. It's going to be more stable, secure, you know, value, large cap to a certain extent, globally diversified fixed income stock portfolios. Cool. Well, I want to get into some specifics, but first we have to sure. take a, a quick break. Um, when we get back though, Dave, I want to, I want to talk about exactly um, what people should be doing now and also when they should stop being more cautious and start going after stocks, you know, before the recession ends, that sort of thing. Anyway, guys, hold on. We're going to be, we're halfway through our show. It means it's time for, for to uh, pay the bills. We're going to be right back after this quick commercial break. Uh, when we get back, we are going to talk about exactly what you should be doing when you see a, a, a recession on the horizon. Okay, we are back. But before we start back, if you appreciate what we do, do something for us. Share our show with your friends and family on your favorite social platforms and subscribe to our podcast. It takes you two seconds, but it really helps us. And if you don't do it, I'll know and I'll come to your house. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so now, what specifically, uh, I'm coming to you, Dave, as a retail investor, and I'm saying, Dave, I think there's a recession coming. I've got a bunch of money in the stock market, and these are true things. I'm 67 years old, not going to last forever. What exactly, specifically, would you advise me to do right now? Yeah, so the first thing that I would be advising is I'd look at your income needs. Being 67, being retired, I'd look at what your income outlook is for the next 12 months. And honestly, I'd probably just take that and throw it in the bank account. I don't think there's any reason to take on stock market risk with the money that you're going to need to go spend and consume over the next 12 months. And we'd make sure that that income can keep up for these inflationary headwinds that we face. Uh, The very next thing that I would do is I would look at what your income projections and liquidity needs would be in the next five to 10 years out. And again, what I would essentially do is look at that would be the number I would wanna try to target in the soon bucket to be invested for growth to offset inflation, just invested more conservatively. No, I've I've already got money in the stock market though. That's what you're talking about here, right? It it is, and so, I mean- What about the type of stocks? The type of stocks I own, does that matter? I own a lot of growth stocks. It does. I mean, first off in the soon bucket, I wouldn't be investing very heavily in stocks or equities at all. And the soon bucket, you know, I'm gearing more towards fixed income or fixed income alternatives right now. Um, Something that has some downside protection. Obviously, as we all know, whether it's a growth stock, a value stock, a blue chip stock, a small cap stock, it's still going to have risk or volatility associated with it. And within that soon bucket, I'm trying to limit the amount of downside risk because I don't want to subject that money to sequence of returns risk where I have to cash in a larger piece of your portfolio in a market downturn for the same amount of income. Sequence of return risk? What does that mean? Yeah, sequence of returns risk is basically any time that you need money out of your portfolio and you have to sell when the market is down, you essentially have to sell more shares for the same amount of income. And if you cash in more shares, then you don't participate in the recovery fully when the market starts to go back up because you have less shares that you're, that you're essentially starting with. And it's actually one of the biggest things that can deteriorate a retiree's portfolio is just the order of their returns and the timing of their withdrawals. And so, what we essentially try to do is ensure we have enough income isolated to not have to take market withdrawals during a downturn. Okay, cool. Now, Miranda, you've been a little quiet. Uh, that's because Dave and I can't stop listening to ourselves. But what, 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 is your, what is your advice on specific things people should be doing during a recession or, or before a recession, I guess, is where we would be today on, on October the 20th of 2022? What yeah, would you so, advise? Yeah, so... We, I've, ta- I've act- we've talked about this bucket strategy in the past. That's one yeah, of the I thought it was you. I saw this in my show notes. Yeah. and thought it must be you because you always you're a bucket person. <laughs> we, we call you it. the we call you the bucket bee behind your back. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, you know, this is an accurate description. But no, uh, so yeah, so that's one of the things that I did specifically. So for me personally, I do have a. I kind of divide things up depending on, you know, what the money's for, the account that it's going to go into, you know, what it's for, all of those things. And I do kind of have this taxable account that is made up of a higher percentage of income things like bond funds and and as opposed to stock funds. It's got a higher percentage than I would have like in my long-term retirement fund. 
And that I use for things like travel. And when I travel, I do all that stuff. And if, if the market goes down and I sell some of the stocks out of this travel fund, well, now I've got a tax deduction if I'm selling at a loss. And so now my travel is tax deductible, but that's a whole other thing. But one of the things I did do, right? But one of the things I did do is take my son specifically, my, the 529 that we are using for my son who started uh, college last year, started at community college last year. And when we were looking at, when I was looking ahead, as we talked about earlier, we know that a recession's coming. We just don't know when. There's always going to be a recession coming. We talked about market cycles. There's always going to be one coming, whether it's 10 years down the road or next year. And so what I did was I said, okay, we don't know when the recession is coming. So I took some of my son's money in his 529 and I did, I moved it uh, to that cash bucket. I said, this is how much we're going to need for my son's schooling for the next uh, 18 months. And then I was like, okay, and now let's move some more of that money into what Dave would call the soon buckets. We're going to go ahead and get some fixed <laughs> income stuff. We're going to move some of that money into that soon bucket for what he needs later on. And so now that we've, now that he's at school uh, and we've used, drawn down some of the money from the now bucket to pay for school, I'm looking and I'm saying, okay, what's in my soon bucket? What's in my soon bucket that has appreciated? Okay, great. I've got some places where I can take stocks from my, take profits from my soon bucket. So I'm taking those profits. I've taken those profits from the soon bucket and now I've moved them into the now bucket so that it's preparing for his next two semesters of college. And then I can do similar things with the later bucket and say, now I've got to pour from that later bucket into the soon bucket. And so I've got some profits in the later bucket. I'm gonna take those profits in the later bucket, take those profits, move them to the soon bucket. And so it just kind of pours down as we need to adjust the money for my college, for my son's college. Well, let me ask so that's you kind of what I've done. Time. Okay, let me ask let me ask both of you guys, sorry, all three of you. Um it seems to me like you want to be adding money to the stock market. In other words, let's assume that everybody out there is a dollar cost averager. They're putting in X number of dollars every month in their 401k or blah, blah, blah. Now, we see a recession on the horizon. We believe there's going to be one. The stock market is down 25%. Now, we're not market timers because we're not smart enough to time the market because no human being is. But if, we, if we've been through this before, as I have many times, as, as all of us probably have, we've all been through recessions. I mean, there was one two years ago. Um, so we've learned that when the stock market falls in, in anticipation of a recession, that's not a bad time to put some money to work because wealth is created when we buy things low, not when we sell them high. That's when we ring the register. But we create wealth by buying what other people are afraid to buy. So right. here's my question to the two of you, you bucket people. Are you moving a whole bunch of money into the stock market from one of your buckets when the market sucks? Or are you so, saying, oh, I can't time the market. I'm just going to leave everything like it is. So for me personally, uh, all of my dollar cost averaging, the automatic investments, all of that stuff goes into what would be a later bucket. So all of that money is constantly going there. Where I make the adjustments is when I take the profits and pour it into a new bucket and move it down the down the bucket line. So for me personally, that's worked really well. I do not change the fact that like during a recession, most of what I'm investing, I don't stop investing. I don't stop putting money into the market. And that all goes into the later, right? Because now I am buying during the recession when the stock market is down, all of that money that I would put into the 
just my dollar cost averaging, my usual investment plan, sticking to the plan, all of that goes into the later bucket regardless, and they're all buying them at a lower cost. Where the adjustment comes in is where I can pour any profits that I have or preparing for the future by pouring profits from one bucket to another. So yeah, uh, definitely still putting money in. Uh, I do have a little bit of cash that sort of accumulates over time sometimes. And if the market drops far enough, then I'll go ahead and deploy that cash. But once again, I deploy it into the later bucket where I'm buying these riskier stocks, these riskier assets at a lower price, and they stay in that later bucket until I can take some profits and move them to a new bucket. Bucket, bucket, yeah, bucket. I'll just touch on um, to kind of piggyback. Go ahead. No, no, you, you. Yeah. So to piggyback on what Miranda was saying, you know, we implement something very similar to clients that have the tolerance to kind of go back and forth a little bit. And and Stacey, just like you, I'm a believer you can't time the market. And even in light of a recession, I mean, if you look at a lot of the data, the stock market has bottomed months before a recession is actually declared on average. It could be anywhere from six to 12 to even longer months of a stock market bottom before an actual recession is declared. So who knows? We could be towards the bottom of the stock market right now and a recession might not be declared till 2023. None of us have that crystal ball. But I think, you know, there's a couple data points that I always like to remind my clients. The first one is if you look historically going back to the 1950s, Anytime the market fell 20% or greater, regardless of how much deeper the decline got, we saw an average one-year return later of 17.5%. So we all know the market's down 20% or greater right now. So not that history has to repeat itself, but even if it rhymes and we have a decent positive return, there's that asymmetrical risk to the upside that we're starting to see right now. So to your point, is it a great time to be deploying cash? It is. Um, I think it's always a great time to be deploying cash into the market, which is the essence of dollar cost averaging, and it's what I do in all of my accounts. But when I look at the two buckets of the soon bucket and the later bucket, I consider one to be a rainy day fund and the other to be a sunny day fund. My later bucket is that sunny day fund. I'm building a retirement. I'm building for some long-term goals and objectives. But that soon bucket is my rainy day or my opportunity fund. It's to your point that the best time to buy financial assets are when they're on sale. In 2020, when COVID hit, I depleted my soon bucket and I loaded it into the market. Did I think it was going to do a V-shaped recovery? Absolutely not. But I knew it was going to recover at some point, And I doubled my money in about a 12-month time period. I sold, I took capital gains, and I replenished my soon bucket back. But as we all know, kind of that whole theory of cash is king is because cash doesn't provide a good rate of return on it. It's the opportunities it creates in times of distress and uncertainty. And so to your point for clients that have the wherewithal to maybe be a little more strategic or aggressive, uh, we're rebalancing soon buckets into later buckets right now on a pretty regular basis to take advantage of, you know, the terminology of buying on the dip, whether this is the bottom or, you know, just still on the way down or maybe on the way back up with a short, you know, midterm, you know, rally here. I, I took a lot of money out of the market. Now, I said at the, at the beginning of this year, I said on this very podcast, um, this market's been going up too far, too fast, too, for too long. It's going to fall. Um, and so I'm going to take a bunch of chips off the table because remember, I'm 67 years old, too. Yep. Um, and so I proceeded not to do that. To say it and not do it. 
Uh, so hmm. when, when we had a rally this summer, I, I sold hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of stocks. Now I'm sitting here on a bunch of cash in my IRA, my 401k, uh, and, and just in my savings. And, and I'm going to, I have started deploying that cash, but very slowly. And one of the things we haven't talked about is uh, I've also been buying bonds for the first time in my whole life. I've, I've never owned a T-bill ever, and I'm 67. Uh, and now I own them, and I'm buying more. I mean, it's, it, you can get a three-month T-bill right now at more than 4%. And I just wrote an article, as a matter of fact, I don't even know if it's published yet, but uh, saying if you're buying CDs, you're making a mistake. And, and the reason why is because CDs are not paying nearly as much as treasuries, which are actually technically even safer, and you can get a lower um, uh, maturity date. Because you, you, a one-year CD is paying like three, and if and a one-year uh, T-bill, you can get four and a half. Uh, and so, you know, to me, and four and a half, not only is four and a half not a bad interest rate relative to history, especially recent history, but it also is better than losing four and a half in the market. <laughs> you know, so, so, so far I've been right. Now, whether I'm going to deploy enough cash, I mean, the market can reverse. And if there's anything I want to tell people, that the, I know we've said this, we've all said it, but I want to make sure people understand this before we get off this podcast. Stock prices lead market fundamentals. When you see, the, the, and okay, put it another way, over, since 1945, the average recession has created stock market returns in the S&P of 1%. In other words, stocks don't fall during recession. Why? Because the market is looking on the other side of that recession. So by the time you know that the coast is becoming clear, you're already behind the eight ball. That's why you have to buy when you think it's the worst of times. Because the market's going to yeah. anticipate that the market, you know, the economy getting better. And that's when people are going to buy stocks. Just like what it just did, we're not in a recession yet, right? The market's fallen all year because it's, ex- because it's afraid of a recession. Once that becomes a reality, people are going to start buying. Do not be left behind. Buy, start buying now. That, that's my advice anyway. You, you Stacey, agree, I just wanted to give you a quick contrast to that too, especially for people that maybe are not familiar with bond investing. But it's really important to note if you contrast it with stocks, the shorter your time horizon for owning stocks, the riskier they are. The longer your time horizon for owning stocks, the less risky they yeah, are. If you buy the true. S&P 500, you know, the S&P 500 could fall 30, 40, 50% in one year. But over a 10-year period, it becomes a less risky asset to own. Bonds are the exact opposite. The shorter the time period you own the bond, the less risky it is. But the longer the time period you own the bond, the more risky it is. And so the one challenge that I have with treasuries, and we've been using them as basically a banking alternative for our clients for their emergency fund. But if you look at fundamental stock analysis, it says you should be compensated for the expected, the risk that you're taking by buying a stock over, you know, lending to the federal government. So if lending to the federal government gives you a risk-free rate of return of 4%, well, that probably means the expected return of a company and the discounted cash flow of that company, i.e. buying a stock, should yield something much greater than the risk-free rate as long as you have the right time horizon to hold it. So a mistake that I frequently see people make is they get attracted to this current rate, they move too much of their money into bonds right now, and they miss out on the higher expected return that comes with stocks. So there's just as much of a danger in going too conservative just like there is being too overly aggressive. Yes, and I agree with you. And by the way, I want to make something really clear. We have to, we're running out of time too, but um, 
when I said I, I got a, a, took a bunch of my money out of the stock market, that's true. But I also left a bunch of money in the stock market. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, have a, I never am out of the stock market. And, when, yeah. and, and actually, you know, honestly, I've been through this so many times, Dave. I'm looking forward to the market falling. I can't wait for prices to go lower because I've made a lot of money this way over the years, you know, buying when prices were low. It's literally how you make money in the stock market. So I, I'm waiting and, I, and I'm starting to buy. Uh, so, you know, th- that's my, my secret to success is no secret at all. Just buy when prices are low and then sell some when prices are high. And, and, and don't have so much in that you're freaking out. I mean, I, I took so much money out. I still have a bunch in, but I don't care now. I mean, it doesn't bother me. It, you know, the stock market's going down. I kind of want it to. So that if, you, if, you don't, if you can't feel that way, then you might have too much money in the stock market, period. Agree? Absolutely. Um, if you guys don't have any, any final comments, Aaron? I would say for the people in my age group and younger, exactly what you guys were talking about with the long-term buckets, uh, you know, as many, you know, economic downturn headlines that I'm reading, I'm also reading headlines about how corporate corporations are gearing for the future and they're investing in all kinds of different directions. Um, so definitely maybe now is the, is the right time to invest in those future advancements, you know, uh, green energy and, and any other kind of tech that's coming down, down on the market. You know, I, I've, been, I've been getting really annoyed to you guys talking about buckets and now I realize why. Because I'm afraid I, I may be close to kicking one. <laughs> okay guys we the are difference out of time. Is, Stacey, you, you you have your but you have your buckets people just don't realize you i mean at the end of the day bucketing is just asset allocation yeah. one-on-one right roger yeah. Ibbotson's three asset classes cash fixed income equities that's three buckets bucketing is just a way to help people from a behavior well, well how about this dave for now on how about how about if we call it we ha- we have three different margarita glasses Okay, do they have to be buckets? Can they can they be champagne glass? Look at Miranda likes that idea. Okay, I'm guys. down. Yeah, we are we are out of time, but we are never out of topic. Dig a little deeper, folks. You're gonna find links to lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. And of course, you want to visit Dave Allison at his website. That is C2Penterprises.com. Don't try to remember it. It's in our show notes. We'll hook you right up. If you got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, tell us about it. Email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. And I'm going to repeat something I said at the break. If you like what we do, do something for us. Subscribe to our podcast. Takes you two seconds. Really helps us out, though. So if you like us, don't just sit there, show us and subscribe. I'm Stacy Johnson. I'm Miranda Marquette. I'm Aaron Freeman. And I'm Dave Allison. Dave, you're an awesome guy. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. And all you folks, too. We're going to see you right here next time. <laughs>